0: Welcome to the City Women Podcast. I'm Sharisa Great and I'm joined by Ashley Kelly and Mary Turner. This season we are reading through the book of Genesis and looking at how God has revealed Himself as faithful. We pray today's episode encourages you and reminds you of how the Lord is faithful to you as well. Today, we will be discussing chapters 46 through 50. Let's jump right in. Good morning, ladies. Hello.
1: Hello, Charissa.
2: How's everybody doing today? Doing so good.
1: It's really good. This is our final. I know episode oh my on goodness. Genesis. We're gonna have some bonus. Yeah. So don't worry, ladies. We're not done. But as far as the the reading of the chapters, we're
2: we're it up, up. I know. That's crazy. Where did the summer go? Where did it go? <laughs> it, it flew by.
1: That's is a really- good way to say it. That's a good <laughs> way to say it. Well, we hope you have enjoyed listening as much as we have enjoyed being a part of this. It's been a lot. We admitted that to each mm-hmm. other the other day. But I think it, it, we. <laughs> Ashley said it's kind of like having a baby. <laughs> yes. You get to the end of it, Ashley and I said, and it was a lot of work. And right now we're like, we never want to do it again. But <laughs> give, us, give us a couple months.
2: Give us a couple months. We're like, hey, we're ready to dig in Let's again. Let's do, do it. it.
1: <laughs> but I, we have it, not quite as much action, but some really important things um, mm-hmm. at the end of Genesis that we're excited to dig into as
2: well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to wrap up Joseph's story and then wrap up Genesis as a whole.
1: It's exciting. And Jacob, your favorite. We and get Jacob, to wrap he's, up still, he's still
2: hanging on. He's still here.
1: <laughs> he's really been around for quite a while. He really has. He really has been hanging in. But we had this exciting um, reunion with the mm-hmm. brothers in our last episode. And now it's time for Jacob to be reunited with his son, Joseph, mm-hmm. who we thought he would never see again. Right. So we have this setup at the beginning of chapter 46 where he's offering sacrifices to God and God speaks to him. Mm-hmm. And he tells him, hey, I'm I'm with you. I want you to go down to Egypt, but I'm going to be with you and I'm going to bring you back to the promised land. Mm-hmm.
2: It really, I think we're supposed to remember what God told him in Genesis 28 when, he, when Jacob was on the run heading towards his mother's land um, and God told him almost the same thing, like, I'm going to go with you and I'll bring you back. And so here... Um, I think this is a lot of reassurance for Jacob. And because God was faithful to that promise, um, I think he's probably able to step out, trusting God here, that God is going to bring him back. But this time, it's not Jacob that he's going to bring back. It is the people, eventually, that he will bring back.
1: All of them. Because Egypt is this symbol of exile Mm -hmm. throughout Genesis. Anytime we bring up. Egypt, it's the same word as exile. Mm-hmm. And the readers uh, of this of the time, the ones that this is written to, mm-hmm. not just us, but mm-hmm. they would have understand, oh, Egypt, that's the big bad. That's mm-hmm. exile. That's what this is. We have to have a little more understanding. We have to put that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you can see why there has to be this reassurance. I'm going to bring you back out. Right. This is not the end. Right. And as you said, Ashley, he said this before. He actually he said this uh, seven times to Abraham, twice to Isaac, and three times to Jacob. Which Sharissa did the math. That's twelve.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: We love a good twelve. <laughs> it's a good Bible number. We've got twelve tribes of, of um, Isaac. You know, uh, wait, no, I just said that tries wrong. Twelve tribes of Israel. 12 tries of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> there's too many. There's too many patriarchs. <laughs> yes. Too yeah. many patriarchs here. Anyway. But we're we're getting the setup for Jacob going to be reunited with his son, and God is making these incredible promises to him. And in Genesis 15, actually, Abraham had been, there was this prediction that his descendants would go down to Egypt, but he was promised that they would come back to the land of the promise. So God has made this promise, not just to Jacob, mm-hmm. but to Abraham. And it's the whole reason that this book was written to the children of Israel, to answer the question, why are we in Egypt? And what plan does God have for our future? Right. And here here are the answers.
2: Yeah. So it was encouraging and reassuring for Jacob at the time, but then also for the original audience. It would be really encouraging and reassuring for them. Like, there's purpose. We were called here. Okay. <laughs> God is faithful. He hasn't He's forgotten us. Yeah. yeah.
1: He hasn't forgotten us and left us here. hmm Yeah. And then we have this really dramatic scene of, of Jacob and Joseph meeting up again. <laughs> he thought he would never see the sun again. And I, I like the description, at least in my translation. Um, let's see that he hugs him for a very long time, that they weep and they're being they're um, hugged for a very long time when they get together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't I I have this picture. My daughters, I didn't see them for two and a half years when during COVID. They were living in Australia. I didn't see them. And when we met up at the airport, I w- we were warning everyone. Else, You're about to see a scene. This is about <laughs> to be a scene. And we did. We hugged. And cried, and it was a, it was an emotional scene, and I'm mm-hmm. sort of picturing this with Jacob mm-hmm. and Joseph.
2: But you knew your girls weren't dead. I I did know that. I did know and here, that. Here, here, you know, Jacob is yeah. has having just recently learned that Joseph isn't dead, hasn't seen him for what would now be. Did we decide on a time like, 22 like twenty two years? Yes. Um. And so, yeah, I think a lot of those feel you know just so many emotions mm-hmm. and.
1: Um, And and Joseph, too, had Mm -hmm. just let go of the fact that he would never see his family again. Mm -hmm. And here he's been with his brothers and to see this this dream that both of them had let go of a long time ago Mm -hmm. to be reunited because they each thought they were dead to one another. Right. It is really beautiful.
2: It is. It really is.
1: Yeah. And so, and then Jacob says, I'm ready to die because I've seen your face again and I know you're alive.
2: I'm done. I'm just, done. It, it is finished. My, my,
1: my purpose is fulfilled. And I, I understand. I mean, here, this is a very dramatic emotional moment between mm-hmm. the two of them. And they just have this relief at the family being put back together. Mm-hmm.
2: There probably is a sense of like, I can only take so much more.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of twists and turns to Jacob's story.
2: <laughs> yeah. he, has, he was 130 years old. So he would lived a good long life.
0: He's yes.
1: kind of old. Yeah, he's ready to to let someone else take the reins of the patriarchal side of the family. Yes, so then they um, they have to settle mm-hmm. in Egypt, and there's this discussion of J- Joseph is sort of prepping them and saying, "Hey, I want you to to say this." Basically, he wants to make sure that uh, Pharaoh and the other leaders don't think that they're being a burden on Egypt. Mm-hmm that they're just there, they have everything they need, and he wants them to settle near him and um, not among the Egyptians that will resent them, which is some foreshadowing for what's mm-hmm. going to happen later in Exodus.
2: Mm-hmm. It does, it when I read that, you know, he says, you know, let them know that you're shepherds. The Egyptians detest the shepherds. It seems, like, weird. Like, why would you even tell them then? I read that it was, it, it, it would have um, told the Egyptians and Pharaoh that they were not coming to, like, take over, even. Like, they were like nothing they weren't going to be some sort of like challenge for Pharaoh and the Egyptians, um, which is a weird way to say it, I think, because you know Egyptians detest the shepherds, but it was kind of like just let them know that you're not a problem
1: <laughs> because there is there are some theories that this particular particular um uh, pharaoh that his is the hiscus and they had they had come in and taken over from the last um dynastic line Mm -hmm. and so they had come and conquered them and taken over so there is that sort of threat of a new person comes in what is their intention sure yeah and so i think that very much speaks Mm -hmm. to what you're you're saying they want to be seen as not a threat we're just here with our animals we don't want to take anything Mm -hmm. from you this is a hard time for egypt we just want to live together in peace Mm -hmm. yeah so we go into chapter 48 and they do. They come here and and they meet up with Pharaoh and um, Pharaoh and Jacob kind of have this moment together where there's a blessing between the two of them and um, he gives them this good land to be to to um, for their uh, flocks mm-hmm. for them to live in and he has this question answer session with Pharaoh. It's mm-hmm. really kind of neat <laughs> um, and you could see that Joseph has this this valued position and because of that the Pharaoh is being very kind with. Kind of country bumpkins, really. These mm-hmm. they normally wouldn't have this type of audience with a pharaoh, mm-hmm. and he he gets the the best land for them, which is pretty significant in this time of famine.
2: Right? Yeah, it's very hospitable. Doesn't seem like even something that we would do today. Exactly. <laughs> I
1: I don't. Yeah, I don't know that I could
2: necessarily. Yeah, I mean I know our country doesn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when people, yeah. you know, we don't That's here so. have the best land. Here yeah. have the best of everything. Um, and so, again, I think we said this in a previous episode, the original audience would be thinking, wow, this is so different than the pharaoh that that we came from and our experience in Egypt.
1: Exactly. And then um, Joseph has this leadership during the famine where the people are coming and they don't have the money. You know, here, here his family is well taken care of. They don't have the money. And so he says, well, you can... Um, sell you can give me your money then it's you can sell your livestock to me oh you can sell your land and it looks a little unkind mm-hmm. from the outside. it looks like is he taking advantage of them mm-hmm. but actually it was a sign in this time of great mercy mm-hmm. it was I am not going to take advantage of you you can be Pharaoh's slaves and it's not the type of slavery we think of it's actually more like tenant farming or mm-hmm. something like that Right, and, and so don't look at this and think, wow, Joseph's been kind of a jerk. He, he's not. He's actually looking out for the people mm-hmm. in the highest way possible mm-hmm. in this culture.
2: What's the other option? There isn't anything Starve. else. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so this is this is how God is providing at this time through this way. Um, and it leads to other things later on in, in Egyptian history and, you know, where a lot of the Egypt and the palace now owns the land and all this stuff. But it was done for The purpose of saving the people,
1: and I also think it's probably if we pull out a little farther, it's probably also to set up the comparison between the people and then Jacob and his family, Mm -hmm. because it talks about them acquiring property and having lots of flocks and and multiplying. Mm -hmm. So the opposite is these Egyptians who are giving up their livestock and their money and they're having to sell their land and. to buy food and so i think it is another um, comparison between the people in egypt are really suffering and yet the people of god are flourishing because of god Mm -hmm.
2: and when we when you do read exodus it does say right in the beginning that you know like the um jewish people were the people of israel were just flourishing so much and so this could be why they had their own land they you know, it started mm-hmm. here. This is the seed of that that Absolutely. flourishing,
1: and they're they're dropping these seeds later for us to have a better understanding of why is this such a big deal in Exodus? Why mm-hmm. do they need to leave? Mm-hmm. And um, so here we are. They're mm-hmm. in they're in Goshen. They're actually doing pretty well, and we're going to move on to chapter forty eight,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's time for for Jacob to wrap up his life here. Mm-hmm. He has had the fulfillment of what he wants. He's with Joseph, but. Jacob can tell that that he's getting older, that he's going to die. And so he starts reflecting on his life and how God's promises have, have been fulfilled. He's fruitful. He's had all these sons and grandsons around him. He has Joseph back. He even owns land back in Canaan. Like He has a lot of blessings in his life, and he's reflecting on those. And Joseph comes to him with his sons. And, and they they have this discussion. And uh, it doesn't necessarily go the way that we would have expected it to go. Because he's starting to pass out blessings to his sons. Mm-hmm. But he starts here with Joseph, but not in the way we expect.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He um, asks for Joseph's sons. So Ephraim and Manasseh. And essentially what he does, he says, these are mine. <laughs> he, tells, he tells Joseph, these two sons, they're mine. All the other ones that you have after this, they can be yours. And so essentially... Um, Jacob like adopts Ephraim and Manasseh, and they become um, part of the tribes, and so they're they're included in the tribes and land allotment later on. Um, and really, I think that this is meant to kind of replace um, Reuben and Simeon, um, Levi, but he has a different purpose, and so there is there is that that happens, and then um, and then Jacob wants to bless bless the boys. And we get a weird scene where old Jacob, you know, it also says his heart, his eyes are failing and, you know, it makes us remember Isaac and Esau and Jacob and um, and he reaches his hands out to bless him. He puts the, his right hand on the second-born son on Ephraim and his left hand. He, like, crosses them, you know, or whatever. And Jacob sees it, and he's like, no, Dad, this way. you got to put the right hand on the firstborn because that's the one that's going to be blessed. And But Jacob, it was a really
1: purposeful act. To cross your arms. Yeah. That's not an accident. No. I yeah. mean,
2: like, he, like, really did it. And Jacob, like, fought back. And he's like, no, this Joseph. is. Yeah. Uh, well, no, Jacob fought back oh, against Joseph. Yeah. And it was like, no, this is the way it's supposed to be. The younger son, yeah. the older son, is going to serve the younger son. Um, and so I, just, I find that interesting. One, was that from God? Or is that just Jacob? I don't know. The text doesn't really say. Um, but then, two, um, we talked about their names, I think, in the previous episode, where one of them, Manasseh meant, you know, making to forget. And Ephraim meant um, making to be fruitful or bountiful. And I think, like, it maybe it's just poetic, but he blesses the one that is, like, you know, to be fruitful and, and bountiful. Um, and it's just a, it's a moment, and it's just another one of those moments where we're kind of like, huh, there's, I wonder why. I wonder why it was like that.
1: It is. Mm-hmm. And we don't always have answers Mm-mm. to our questions. No. But that keeps it interesting.
2: It does keep it interesting. Yeah. And we see that pattern, Throughout. I mean, we've seen it throughout Genesis and it it keeps happening um, throughout the Bible where the one that you wouldn't expect, the lesser, um, you even see it in Jesus's life. He came from Nazareth. He was no one special, you know, all that. And so it's just little little seeds, like we keep saying, that are just being planted for this story of God using whoever he's going to use.
1: And one of the best explanations I think that I have is that God doesn't always use the ones we expect because mm-hmm. he always wants it to be a reflection of him and not that person. Right. And uh, I mean, there's lots of reasons, but that's one of them
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that we have to keep looking back to. Well, these weren't <laughs> these weren't superheroes here that we're talking about in this patriarchal age. It's obviously God mm-hmm. who, who led them to this point and will continue to lead them on. Mm-hmm. But uh, also the blessing where mm-hmm. it talks about in uh, we're in 48, but in verse 20, mm-hmm. Jacob blessed the boys that day with this blessing. The people of Israel will use your names when they give a blessing. They will say, my God will make you as prosperous as Ephraim and Manasseh. I was reading about that, and it, it talks about um, this perpetual blessing or prayer. It's remembering these sons' names. But if you put in what their names mean rather than just Manasseh and Ephraim, mm-hmm. it's they're asking God to make you forget your past. And to have a fruitful future mm. which is a, a beautiful blessing mm-hmm. and i don't think we capture it when we just use the boys names but yeah. when we insert the meaning of the names i think it has a little more power to yeah. it
2: paul says something similar to that in the new testament you know like you forget the past to, and keep pressing forward on to the future that's interesting i wonder if that's a, a callback
1: very well could be mm-hmm. yeah so I with the the blessings here to Ephraim and Manasseh and then we're going to go on in the next chapter with the sons. Um I kind of think of it almost like at the end of the movie when you have the text at the end that tells you what the um the certain characters like their future is, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? This it, is what I,
2: happened after the movie. Yeah, only. it feels mm-hmm.
1: like that a bit. You know, we get to see a little of what's going to happen in mm-hmm. in their future, a little some predictions and things like that. Um, But I also wanted to mention um, that Jacob, we are told, sees this future later on when we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 and 16, that it says all these people, and that's including Jacob, died, still believing that God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that's why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He prepared a city for them. Mm -hmm. And here is this this gr- family group here, and they don't have what they're promised. They really don't have a promised land right now. They're in Egypt kind of doing what they need to do to survive. Mm-hmm. And Jacob is dying without seeing God's promises fully fulfilled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he is passing on these blessings, mm-hmm. believing that his descendants will see that future. And it goes even beyond this group of people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It goes on to us today, still waiting for our heavenly homeland. Mm-hmm. That's
2: yeah. It's a, a lot of waiting. It is a lot of waiting, this is the only thing that, to my knowledge, that Jacob is, like, praised for, especially in the New Testament. Um, he, uh, in that Hebrews, in Hebrews 11, he is given credit for the faith that he had to be able to bless um, Ephraim and Manasseh, looking forward to the future. And so I think that that's, that's significant. And, and, you know, it was at the end of Jacob's life, he's... He's at least gotten there, you know, and um,
1: yeah, I don't and, know. And then in verse 21, he does go on and say, hey, I'm about to die, but God's going to be with you. He, mm-hmm. he gives that encouragement. He's going to mm-hmm. bring you back to Canaan. He actually speaks these words out, which are a big encouragement to them because they are going to go through, as we know, a long period of exile, we're going to see in Exodus the the difficulty that they encounter, but here he is giving them that hope. Their hope is in God and not in Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh's being great right now. We have a good setup here in Egypt, right. but that may not always be the case, and our hope is not in this man.
2: Yeah. We don't actually see this type of moment with Abraham um, and Isaac or Isaac and Jacob of like father, son, here this is God the fate you know this kind of transference here so we we are seeing that with Jacob um and so you know I think that's I think that's beautiful and I think it's needed I think Jacob needed that in his life we needed to see him come to this point um yeah there's been so much poured into him
1: mm-hmm. um, and we had a lot of disappointment with mm-hmm. him over over the past couple of episodes we episodes mm-hmm. we we've, we've talked about that but here we want to say jacob we see you we're Mm -hmm. we're proud of you Mm -hmm. he was
2: ending with with faith we didn't always see it throughout his story but at least he's come to a point where he can die with faith in in god and then also being able to um teach that and show that to his sons yes
1: And, and we started off with you know there was a son you know we had uh, and then we have now we have all these all these sons mm-hmm. and these grandsons and the descendants are growing like it had been promised to them. Mm-hmm. And here is Jacob with all of these sons around him. And you did, do get kind of sentimental in your old age. Like he's he's seeing the goodness and faithfulness and of God in the eyes of his descendants right here mm-hmm. in this moment. And so he in, in chapter 49, he starts passing out some blessings mm-hmm. and I say blessings. We we don't necessarily read them as blessings, but it's sort of what a father passes on to a son. We've seen that mm-hmm. at various times.
2: It's what he got from Isaac.
1: Yes. Yeah. It, it's just that's what we're doing now. And mm-hmm. some of them seem a little harsh. And also this is more poetic. So we mm-hmm. do want to say there are parts of these that are very confusing, and don't feel bad about that. This is not meant to be an easy read. Right.
2: And and even interpretation, like for Biblical scholars, like, they fight back and forth over, like, what this means and what that means, especially with Josephs. Joseph, they haven't really come to a conclusion necessarily. People think different things. And so if it it is unclear for people who actually know these original languages, like, it's okay for it to be unclear to us as well. To the
1: professionals. (laughs) And we're just amateurs, and we admit that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So we'll, we'll pull some things out here and there, but understand we, you know... As Ashley said, we don't know everything here, mm-hmm. and even the scholars don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll start out with Reuben. Mm-hmm. You may remember, back in chapter 35, he slept with his father's concubine, and that his father was very upset about that.
2: It was just pretty much the end for Reuben, yeah. right there. It,
1: it, it was just a long time coming where it actually happened, and here we are in 49, and he does not receive the blessing of the firstborn.
2: No, he doesn't. And it for Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, all of these blessings that they're going to receive or get or whatever from jacob they all it all looks back to the past and it's more of like an indictment and a rebuke rather than anything to look forward to for the future
1: which was ephraim and manasseh had something to look forward to for the future Mm -hmm. and they're going to be these larger tribes they're Mm going to be a a big part of israel's future and here reuben simeon levi all should have been a big part and Mm -hmm. they're not as much as we would have expected so reuben in particular he doesn't receive the blessing, and he is going to live outside the promised land even. We can see that in Numbers 32 where that actually yeah. um, comes to pass.
2: No future, essentially, is mentioned for Reuben. <laughs> sorry, Reuben. I'm sorry, you made your choice. This is it.
1: You had you had something. And then we have Simeon and Levi. It's this joint blessing. Mm-hmm. And they also don't receive the firstborn blessing. Mm-hmm. And because of the Dinah incident, which you may remember back in Chapter 34, they. I mean, Simeon's tribe is later absorbed into Judah. They don't even have a tribe mm-hmm. coming up. And the Levites, they do have something important. Like you said, they become the priests, but they're scattered throughout the tribe. Mm-hmm. They don't have land of their own. They just have these Levitical cities. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, uh, it's not the same as what a firstborn would have received. Right. Yeah. They, um, they missed out. They did. Mm-hmm. There is a consequence to sin, mm-hmm. and we see it here. Mm-hmm. But Judah, on the other hand, he made some mistakes, but we see a change of character in him throughout the Joseph story. He becomes a different person mm-hmm. than the one that we see with, with Joseph when he was a teenager and they um, sent him off into slavery. And then later when they come back and, and he shows a complete change of who he is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's reflected in the fact that he ends up receiving the firstborn blessing.
2: He does. And I think it's what it's what he wanted. He did end up getting it. Um, and I, when I was studying this, because we almost would think, well, wouldn't Joseph get that? And didn't he kind of get that, you know, like it it is almost like, hmm, interesting. But Joseph, um, he received essentially like the birthright. And so, um, so Ephraim and Manasseh both got land, which they're Joseph's sons. And so really essentially Joseph got that double portion of the inheritance here. And um, but Judah received the like this the blessing, and so Jacob like split it. And one of the commentators or something that I was reading said that Joseph was given the leadership of the sons, where Judah was given future leadership of the tribes. Oh, like the tribe of Judah would be the leader, and so Joseph is now. Judah is in the future.
1: Because this is if if you haven't followed along with this, this is where the line of David comes mm-hmm. from, and then obviously later the line of Jesus, mm-hmm. so this is the kingly priestly line, I mm-hmm. say priestly, the Levites are the priests, but Jesus becomes king and priest, mm-hmm. yeah, so um and David has some aspects of that too, mm-hmm. but this is a really important part of the rest of the Bible is this line of Judah. Mm
2: -hmm. And So like with Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Esau and Jacob, but only Jacob was the one that was going to continue the line. If that were to continue, like if they were to still only like choose one and everyone else was like, sorry, you're on your own, then it would be Judah. So, you know, so essentially it is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah. But this is different because now all the sons are going to be included in the inheritance. Like God has like broadened it to all 12 and they become, you know, the people of Israel.
1: It's it's really different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, Jacob got it all. And yet with his sons, he kind of parcels it out a little mm-hmm. bit. And I guess that's part of having 12 sons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what if somebody fails you? You got to have an, a backup. <laughs>
2: And I think we probably, you know, we have to assume God is behind all of this. Yes. And this was his, his
1: plan. His intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it has a lot of references to the Messiah and, and the Messianic age. Um, it talks about a time of paradise on earth and abundance and health. And, and the word Shiloh, you may see in your translation, it means sent one. I think we know who the sent one is. Mm-hmm. That would be Jesus. It has a vine. It has reference to blood and wine and milk. All these, this picture Mm -hmm. of messianic things that david is the the first realization of that Mm -hmm. and then jesus completes that and then one day this refers to the second coming Mm -hmm.
2: yeah yeah so judah's blessing is really important and there's a lot there as you read it you should be like oh are we supposed to think of like the blood of jesus are we supposed to think you know all these different things my answer would be yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) And again, it's poetic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit where can have to read between lines a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. yeah. And then we move on to, to Joseph, and he has the longest blessing. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, it's kind of interesting because there was already a blessing for his sons, and yet Joseph also receives this blessing. But he was this beloved son. Mm-hmm. And I think. One of the most interesting things is the um, re- reference to the mighty one of Jacob, the shepherd, the rock of Israel, the God of your father. There's just a lot of God references mm-hmm. in, in Joseph's blessing mm-hmm. um, that is just referring back to the theme of Joseph's story is that God's purpose is hidden in human affairs. Mm-hmm. There were these things that the brothers did, but God's purpose is when, was in the midst of all of that. Right. I mean, Joseph says that to his brothers. Mm-hmm. And we have you know this this. Leader of his family in a different way, like mm-hmm. you said, uh, than Judah. And there's, his pictured as um, fruitful and hated and strong and a leader. All these things within this blessing is really interesting. And he has amazing descendants. Mm-hmm. He has Joshua and Deborah and other judges of Israel
2: come from Joseph's line and, and are an important part of the history of Israel. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you can we can trace that out. We can see joseph doesn't stop here and still great things do come from him
1: it is really interesting Mm -hmm. and then joseph is this type of christ Mm -hmm. you know we see there's the the really obvious parts like he was betrayed by his brothers Mm -hmm. and he ends up being their true savior i mean that's that's some pretty obvious stuff but there are also some little other messiah themes throughout joseph that we can pull out like in chapter 37 the dream some interpret Jesus as the wheat sheaf that was mm-hmm. in his, his dream and this Messiah figure. And then in 37, he was sold for some silver coins. Mm. Jesus was also sold for some <laughs> silver coins. It's little things you should say, wait a minute, I, mm-hmm. I see this. Mm-hmm. And then it, later in, in chapter 41, when he Joseph is put in charge of Egypt, his title is actually savior of the world. That's one of the interpretations of his title. Gee, savior mm-hmm. of the world. That's a messianic mm-hmm. reference right there um 42 he went before his brothers to provide redemption freedom from death
2: it's, mm-hmm.
1: it's pretty big stuff there and in 44 he offers forgiveness it's a pretty big messiah parallel there yeah so we can see all this seems he is not the messiah but it's it's leaving clues
2: for the future messiah mm-hmm. He's a foreshadow of it. And then when you know Jesus and you know the story and you see how he came and what he did, then you can look back at Joseph's story and say Joseph's story was good, but Jesus is even better. Yes. You know, and we can see it all throughout Genesis as well. There's all kinds of little glimpses of Jesus, um, but Jesus is always better. Like the real thing is always, always better.
1: It Mm Mm-hmm. And then we... Turn back to Jacob. He's sent all these blessings to his his children, his grandchildren, and he says, it's time for me to die. And it's, again, it's sort of a reminder, again, for them that you're not of this land. Canaan is your home. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. This is kind of his final words. And we need to finish this charge. He drew up his feet into his bed, breathes <laughs> his last, and he joined his ancestors in death. This is a new death description mm-hmm. because Isaac and Abraham kind of had the same one. You know, mm-hmm. They lived a good long right. years. And That's true. This is this is a new one. He Does it drew up mean his feet that he into his bed. Literally
2: drew up his feet. Was it like painful? Like in my like that's what I'm picturing in my head.
1: I'm picturing like like a, a fetal position. Yeah, almost like, like going back. Going back. I
2: don't know. It is an interesting description. Yeah.
1: If if I had had time, I would probably it. There's probably something oh, in sure. there that we're yeah. missing. Yeah. You guys can do that on your own. Yeah. You tell us what we missed. <laughs> we missed a lot. I know. We only had thirty to forty minutes, guys. So that's it. <laughs> but Jacob dies. He dies. And he has this uh, very elaborate Egyptian funeral, and they have, you know, they take 40 days to embalm him, and then there's this 70-day elaborate funeral, and then they take him back to Canaan like he had asked. Mm -hmm. And it is this foreshadowing of the path that Moses would take with the Exodus. It's a trial run Mm -hmm. of the Exodus path, and just a reminder that next time Israel leaves, it's not going to be like this. It's going to be a little different.
2: Yeah. They had the Pharaoh's permission that time to leave and take, you know, his body back exactly. and then and return. Yeah.
1: And then the brothers get nervous that they're going to mm-hmm. get paid back for their evil behavior. Yeah, like,
2: oh, no, dad's gone. Oh, so no. now what, is, what does Joseph really think of us? But it's been 17 years.
1: I think they should have believed him. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And so we get this grand statement right at the end. And this is really, you know, the culmination of everything we've talked about. Culmination of Joseph's story, Jacob's story, all of Genesis. And... Um, Joseph is, you know, reassuring his his brothers and just saying, the things that you meant for evil, God has turned around for good, yeah. for the salvation of many people. And so it's it's really reminiscent of what he said um earlier in one of their conversations when when they first found out who he was. um he you know, would uh, Joseph was just saying, like God brought me here. He brought me here before you so that I could provide for you. And so it's like he had to remind them um, again, like God has been in every part of this, even the things, even our mistakes, even um, the things that we didn't understand. Like God has been in in every part. And and the brothers are thinking, you know, they're remembering what we did, our sinful choices, our um, our mistakes, how we treated Joseph. Um, but Joseph is reassuring them, like. God God used it. and I found this quote um, from john Walton i was I've been reading his um, commentary on Genesis, and um he said, "If God cannot use the sinful choices that we make, his sovereignty is limited, and there is no hope for any of us. And so like, if God couldn't have used what the brothers did, like if if that was too bad, if it was too far gone, if um, it was too far out of God's original plan or whatever. And God can't use it to turn it around and turn it into something good. If Then then his sovereignty is limited. Then he's not who he says he is. He's not who we believe he is. And then there's no hope for us. Like, there's no hope that the mistakes that I make or that you make will at some point turn around, that God will be gracious, that God can work it out no matter what. Um, and so this is this is— the whole story of Genesis because we've seen and we've tracked all the evil um, from the very beginning Cain and Abel and you know the choice of the tree taking the fruit that was it was evil you know and and then the flood the world was full of evil Tower of Babel just time and time again how people have treated each other um, just all the, dis- all the decisions that have been made that have been against God's original good beautiful plan um God has been able to use every single one of them and brought them to this place where they are taken care of, they are provided for, and 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 we even see how it provided salvation not just for them, but for everyone. This is the entire story of the Bible right here in Genesis, um, and it's I can't think of a better way to end the book and end, end our discussion. God is amazing the providence of god his sovereignty if we don't believe that if we don't trust who god is and his capability of turning even the worst things around then um then i don't know what we're doing it's true
1: that Mm. it's the hope of genesis it's this story that we think is these sunday school stories that end up being the the hope for us Mm -hmm. that we're not too far gone yeah that God is opening a way for us to dwell in his presence. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was in, in Eden. Mm-hmm. And he's making a way even through our sin and our mistakes.
2: Yeah. And even though, like, I don't like Jacob, and I think we've, we've said that a lot, but he's a symbol of hope. Because, he, because we don't see him necessarily have a great turnaround, maybe a little bit, you know. But, but God didn't choose somebody else. God didn't choose someone else after Abraham made his mistakes. God didn't choose someone else after um, Isaac, I don't know. He had mistakes too, after Rebecca, you know, decided to deceive Isaac and just all these things. God didn't stop. He didn't choose someone else. He didn't walk away. He didn't flood the earth again. He, you know, and so all those, all all the downers and all the bummers that we've read about in Genesis that get us down and are frustrating are actually hopeful. Which is crazy to think about, but they are, because he's not going to turn around from us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to walk away. He's not going to say, forget you. You're too bad. You're too far gone. Because he hasn't done that yet, and he's just not going to.
1: I think it's the perfect segue for him, me, we.
2: Yeah. Let's do it.
1: Well, it's time to wrap up Genesis with our him, me, we.
2: The last one.
1: The last one. And I think I think we're all thinking a little bit bigger picture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'm I was thinking about how God had this this plan for humanity, and how Genesis starts with the life-giving presence of God at creation, mm-hmm. and then it ends with the death of Joseph. So we go from the heights of Eden to the depths of the grave, and well, fullness of life to being away from God's presence. You know the the I idea know. of the grave. He wasn't, but you know. Um, and then we, we start at the heights and we kind of go down throughout Genesis through sin's um, effects all the way down. We're taken to to the, the grave at the end. It's sort of symbolic, right? And then we have Exodus. If you go on to read Exodus, which we encourage you to do, um, it's this reversal of Genesis where Israel will be reborn out of that grave that it's in at the end of Genesis and they'll be taken out of the exile of Egypt into the promised land. And it's just this great reminder that God has a plan for me, even in the hard and the questionable and what can feel like a death. Mm -hmm. We've all been through times that feel like that, a death of some type of dream. I can trust in his goodness. I can trust in who he is and the plan that he has for humanity includes me. Yeah, And it includes all of us, but let's start with me. (laughs) (laughs) And when I see that, then how do I explain that to others? How do I explain this beautiful plan that God has for our lives that sometimes looks really messy, but it is leading somewhere? And just the plan of the Bible is not just in the words here of this book. It's part of my life. And being able to take that to others and explain God's plan for them as
2: well. Mm -hmm. I love
0: that. I think some of the things that I've been pondering as we're kind of coming to an end and we've talked about all the different things that we've seen in these patriarchs and the people who have made really bad decisions and have made really good decisions and people that we should emulate and people that we <laughs> really shouldn't. And, um, and we've talked about this over and over again, but like when they make bad decisions, when they choose to do their own thing, like God remains faithful to them. And, and I think for us... It's still true, you know. And I think we learn a lot of the things that, yeah, I do that all the time. you know, like <laughs> we're seeing that in Jacob. We're seeing that in Abraham and um, and I think it's just been a cool reminder to me of it's really easy to judge these people as you're reading it, it's really easy to see the things are so obvious because we see the beginning and the end. And we don't ne- we don't yet see the end of our story. But we know that God has been faithful time and time again, and he'll continue to be. And what does it look like for me to not just walk away from reading Genesis for however many times I've read Genesis in my life Mm -hmm. and be like, well, did that, and Mm -hmm. learn some things, but like live it out and really make it a part of my story and encourage other people to do the same
2: thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think what we're really getting at here is that Throughout this study of Genesis, and I've been thinking about this a lot, but we haven't really put words to it, we have been talking about the world view of the Bible, like a biblical worldview. That's what Genesis is. It is setting the foundation for um, having a biblical worldview, understanding God as creator, understanding that he is working, that he is moving, that he has chosen to work through humanity. He didn't have to, but he has chosen to. And so like Genesis is setting that up for us. And so as we continue living our lives and studying the rest of the Bible, now we've got this framework, this worldview, um, and it should Um, touch every part of our lives and affect it and change things and, you know, all of that. So I think um, I wasn't planning on saying that just now, but I think that's what what we've been doing is kind of um, setting up this this beautiful, biblical, godly worldview. Um, But for my Miwi portion— I also have been kind of thinking a little bit more bigger picture, but so with Joseph's story, um, I remember when I went to Bible college, I had a Bible teacher, he was talking about Joseph and um, he went to like the dry erase board behind him and he drew like up, up and down like roller coaster, you know, hills and valleys. And he said, this was Joseph's life. This was all the things that happens up and down, up and down. And then he drew another line, but this time it was a straight line across all the way through the ups and downs, and he said this was Joseph's character. Um, He was consistent, and he was uh, faithful, and um, we've kind of traced that out. You know, like Joseph, unlike any of the other patriarchs, any of the other really characters that we've studied, um, was able to somehow— have this kind of faith in God that really did allow him to be um, constant and consistent. He wasn't up and down, even though his life was up and down. And um, and so I always think about that when I think about jo- talk about Joseph. But really, if you pull it out and if you zoom out even more and realize that actually this is God's story, and if you look at Genesis as a whole, Genesis is so up and down. It's the roller coaster. It's the things, the good things, the bad things, the sin, the... Um, you know, the flourishing, you know, up and down, up and down, and then God is that straight line all the way through. He has been faithful. He has been constant, and it's still going. Like this, the up and down, the roller coaster of humanity um, is still going, but God is still that straight, flat line, faithful, 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 Um, and so you know, that is such an encouragement to very similar to what you, both of you ladies, have said. It's such an encouragement. Like, God is faithful. He is constant. He's not going anywhere. It's an encouragement to me. And then it's an encouragement, to, I hope, to other people. You know, like, I can't always be that faithful. I can't be Joseph. I can't be God, but I can try my best. And then I can know that um, when I fall, like, that straight line is there and he's there to help me and he can get me back up and, um, and I can do the same for, for other people. Um, so I think we're all kind of ending on the same thing. Like God is so faithful. He is so good. Um, it's just amazing. <laughs> I don't know what other words to say.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope this conversation revealed something new to you about God and or yourself. We'll be back next week for a special Q&A episode. In the meantime, feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have by emailing us at citywomen at citychurchok.com or click on the link in our show notes. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at citywomenok.